Brett Boone joins us on Sports Byline, the former second baseman who played 14 seasons with Seattle, Cincinnati, Atlanta, San Diego, and Minnesota. He was a four-time Gold Glove winner and a three-time All-Star. And certainly football has its Manning family, basketball the Curry family, and Brett is part of an iconic name in baseball, the Boone family. His grandfather is former major leaguer Ray Boone, his dad former catcher and manager Bob Boone, and he's the brother of major leaguer Aaron Boone as well. He has written an interesting and insightful book. It's called Home Game, Big League Stories from My Life in Baseball's First Family. You know, when I was reading through the book, I started smiling, wondering what those uh, dinner table discussions were like in your household. Oh, they were unbelievable, you know, and it was great because uh, Aaron was kind of my sidekick and, uh, you know, we could defer stuff to each other. Uh, You know, Gramps, he he was Grandpa was just so old school and so proud, not only of his generation, what they accomplished, but in general, he was just proud of his family, proud of his generation, and oh, it was great. I mean, Dad would say, hey, Steve Carlton slider was this and that, and perhaps of that. Steve Carlton wasn't as good as such and such. <laughs> and Aaron and myself would sit there and just goad him. You know, and just say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" Ah, you know, and it was it, it was really cool, and it was um, you know stuff at the time you take for granted, and you know you think, "Oh, it's no big deal." It's Grandpa and Dad and Aaron and Brett, but when you look back at it, it's like, "No, this is iconic stuff," and it was cool stuff. And uh, you know, at a, at a point in the book, I one of my favorite points is. Uh, the day Grandpa died, uh, I flew to see him, and he was on, you know, tons of medicines, and he couldn't talk, and he had a chalkboard. And he looked at me, and he, he wrote on a chalkboard, he said, this Jake Peavy guy has got a chance to be a good pitcher. <laughs> and he said, and you're correct, Barry Bonds is better than Ted Williams. You know, what you say your your grandfather said uh, about baseball, he was a kind of a throwback type of guy, and then knowing your dad as I do, what was the overall theme about baseball, the way it was, the way it should be played? Growing up, I had no pressure. I really didn't. You know, everybody thinks that, you know, I grew up in that family, you know, and, and I look back now and how what a blessed life I had. Um <laughs> But there was no pressure. You know, Dad never taught me one thing about baseball. Just I was a baseball rat, and, and that was my passion. It's all I ever wanted to do, and he supported me wholeheartedly. It's like my kids now. You know, I've got, I've got three young boys, and, you know, they love baseball, but if, if that's what they pursue, they pursue it, and I'll support them. If they pursue something else, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll support them in that capacity. No, I was just going to say, you uh, you started in Seattle, of course, with the Seattle Mariners and then got traded to Cincinnati. But you did come back to Seattle, and you were on a team in Seattle, that 2001 team that won 116 and 46. I remember watching the club all during the course of that season. What was the uh, essence of that team's success? You know, I came off a 1999 team. We won a, I think we won 106 games in Atlanta, and we were a great team. The ability was off the charts. The talent, um, 
And I never believed in team chemistry. I said, you know, it just you get the best players and you just roll over people. Uh, 2001 changed my opinion of that. We had great players on that team. We had MVPs. We had batting champs. And, you know, with Edgar and Olerud. And, uh, but we weren't the greatest team ever, but we thought we were. You know, for the first time, I said, there is something to this team chemistry because everybody on that team, we knew. You know, seventh inning, we're down by two. We knew we were going to win that game. And it was something I can't explain to people. It's just we knew. And more times than not, we came back and won the game. You know, I, I really look back at that year and I, I cherish it because, and even when I was going through it, I was, you know, I'd take a shower after the game and I'd look at myself in the mirror and go, you know, this is a special year. So really appreciate what you got because it doesn't happen every year. How difficult was it then when you uh, got to the playoffs, the ALCS, and the club did not go into the World Series? I look at that year and it was so bizarre because it's like, okay, we won 116 games. We're the best team in, in the world. And then 9-11 hit and we had a little pause. I'd, I'd love to have an excuse for it. But, it, you know, the, the, thing I, the thing I look at is the last 50 games of the season, um, the press and, and the guys in the clubhouse, you usually have 10 or 15 guys in the clubhouse after every game. And then in the postseason, you'll have 50 because it's nationwide. So when we were, you know, on pace to break the record, we had 50 guys in the clubhouse every night. You're going to break the record. You're going to break the record. You're going to break the record. And then we finally, when we won 116, you know, it was like, oh, finally we're done. We're done with all the questions. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. we got to go to the postseason. <laughs> you know, we got to go to the playoffs. And uh, we beat Cleveland, and then New York beat us. And for the first time all season. And I think if you look back at our record against New York that year, I mean, we killed them. And all of a sudden they beat us in the postseason, which is the most important thing. And I don't think either team played well. It's just that New York played less bad than we did, if I can put it that way. I will tell you this, and over the years when I was in a clubhouse and you were playing with the team, the one thing I appreciated about you was your sense of humor. And it was talked about, uh, you were famous for your humorous behavior, and at one point uh, you took up not one but three lockers, one for you, <laughs> another with a nameplate above that read Boone's Friend, and a third <laughs> with a nameplate that read Boone's Friend Friend that was scattered with about 100 baseball bats. <laughs> Tell me where no, that came no, from. No, it, it was Boone, Boone's Friend, and Boone's Other Friend. <laughs> that were the three. And I did, you know, I did that for my teammates, and and, um, you know, I have the reputation of being this brash guy and this and that. The guys that know me know who I really am. Uh, it was kind of a shtick for me. You know, the bat flip and the, the boon and all that stuff. Uh, it was fun. And, and I embraced it. And, uh, you know, I'd come to the clubhouse every day. I'd say, Boone's here. We can start. <laughs> and then the whole clubhouse would be relaxed. And they'd be like, all right, here we go. You know, and that was my role in the clubhouse. It, it wasn't a serious side of me. I mean, you know, when I, when I took my clothes off and, like I said, took a shower and looked in the mirror, I knew how hard big league baseball was, and I was very humbled by it. But at the same time, 
I I had a role on that Seattle Mariners team where, you know, they expected me to be a certain guy. And it was tough to do on a day-to-day basis. I needed to be the same guy and walk in and have that aura about me. And at at points it was tough to do because, you know, when you're kicking butt or, or when you're losing and you're not doing well, it's tough to put on that same face. But, you know, I thought it was my priority to do that for my teammates. Um, and we had several guys in the clubhouse that had their roles. You know, Mike Cameron had his role. Edgar Martinez had his role. And my role was kind of to run the whole show. You know, so I did. One of the things that always surprised me about your performance was that at 5'10", the power that you had, where did that come from, Brett? Well, I've always had that power. It's, uh, I would say it, when, when I got back to Seattle in 2001, I went to Edgar Martinez, who, who was one of the, the greatest hitters, right-handed hitters of my generation. I just said, how do you teach me? How do you become you? How do you win batting titles? How do you do that? And I sat down, and we just talked the game. And he became one of my best friends, and to this day he's one of my best friends. And um, he just taught me how to think through the process. And not so much physical, but how do we think the game? And how do we, you know, our goal always, Edgar and myself as well, is when we left the on-deck circle, our brain was clear of everything. We had already thought about this for three, four minutes. We've, we've got every scenario in our head. Who's pitching? Who's not pitching? Who's in the bullpen? Who's hitting behind me? Who's hitting in front of me? And when we leave the on-deck circle, our goal was to be, our brain was to be clear. And he taught me a lot about that. And that's when I really excelled, is when I started thinking on a different level. And it was, it's all about your brain. Your brain is the most powerful tool you have. You know, all of us have a certain amount of fast twitch muscle fiber. That's what it takes to be a big league player. But then what separates, you know, certain people from other people is your brain. And I'm a firm believer in if you think you're great, you are great. Yeah, two players that I respected, Mark McGuire and also the great Willie Mays, uh, both had the same philosophy about hitting. At least they told me that. See it and hit it. Uh, Was it that way for you as well? Not at all. Not at all. You know, uh, you know. I remember Ken Griffey coming up in the minor leagues. I thought I was the greatest player of all time. <laughs> and I got to the big leagues, and I saw Ken Griffey Jr., who was the same age as me. So I got to the big leagues. I think I was 22 or 23. And he's walking around the clubhouse with his hat on backwards. I said, Kenny, what's this guy got tonight? And he'd look at me and go, Booney, I don't know. I did see ball, hit ball. And I'd be like, all right, must be nice, you know, for the for the avatars of the world. And then Edgar would kind of give me the finger, like, come on over here and I'll tell you what he's got tonight. I know in this book uh, called Home Game that you touched on something, and I was glad to see you come out and say something about, about it. It was a Jose Canseco accusing you of steroid use. That really did bother you, didn't it? It did, but, you know, in the time, everybody was accused of everything. If you hit a homer, uh, you had to be taking steroids. You know, that's the, that, that was the, the uneducated version of the game in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And Jose came out, I think his book, uh, 80% of his book was very accurate. Um, but then I think he had to fill up some pages. So he started uh, assuming or 
or guessing what people were doing. And he came out and he said, we had a conversation at second base and, and when he was with the Angels, I believe it was 2001 in spring training, and he had a double and he had a conversation with me. Now, for the record, I've never talked to Jose. Uh, the most I've said to Jose, you know, I played against him for a few years, was, hey, Jose, what's up? Hey, Booney, how you doing? And he put that in the book, and I just started laughing. It's like, well, how do I really fight this? I can't because at the time, everybody was accusing everybody. If you got in shape, you had to be on steroids. And he put that in the book, and Matt Lauer came out and did the research for me so I didn't have to do anything. And, you know, he, he put Jose to the task, and he had a, I don't know, Matt Lauer was on the morning show or the Today Show or something. He said, well, you accused Brett of doing this, and you never got to second base that spring training. So what's your explanation? And then he started backtracking. Well, maybe uh, it was as we were running off the field, you know. It's like, yeah, that's what I would do. Uh, hey, Jose, don't tell anybody that I'm taking steroids as I'm running off the field on defense. <laughs> you know, to a guy I don't know. A final question for you. I know on January the 4th, 2006, you signed a minor league deal with the Mets, but a few days into spring training, you announced your retirement, citing a lack of passion for the game. I know you've been, always been passionate about that game. How hard was that to you, for you to do? Oh, that was incredibly hard, you know, and I didn't tell my dad, I didn't tell anybody, and, and I was going through a really tough time in my life on the private side, and I just remember um, going out to, you know, practice and going through the drills and just going, you know, I don't need this crap anymore. I, I've been blessed and I've been successful in this game and I made a lot of money and I'm going home. And then a year later, I decided, you know, I needed some closure, and I signed with the Washington Nationals in 2008. I went to spring training, and it was very hard. You know, physically, I was at wit's end. And Jim Bowden called me at the end of spring training. He said, where are you at? I said, I need to go, you know, to AAA for a couple of weeks and see if I could still do this. And I went to AAA, and I had fun. And it was cool being with those guys. And, uh, you know, I held, I held my own. I think I drove in 10 runs in 12 games and didn't hit any homers. But um, Jim called me and he said, where are you at? I said, well, here's what I think I can do. I think just because of my experience, I can hit 280. I can give you 10 or 12 homers. Um, but I can only play four days a week. And he said, that's better than what we have. <laughs> I said, okay, but hold on. I'm going to fly home and I'm going to discuss this with my family. And I went home and I decided to retire officially in 2008. And, you know, I had some closure. You know, I finally knew that, you know, I can't do this anymore. I was okay with it. But after the, you know, 2006 when I retired from the Mets, I was in a different place, and I was going through a lot of personal stuff. And, uh, you know, when I was clear-minded in 2008, I retired, and, and I was okay with it. My closure, and it was the right thing to do. Brad, I want to thank you very much. Congratulations on the book. Give my best to your dad, and you're welcome back here anytime. Take care, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Brett Boone with us. Again, the name of the book, Home Game, a Big League Stories from my life and baseball's first family. We continue with more of you and Sports Byline.